As we prepare for our time in the Word today, we're going to read from Exodus 33, verse 11. Would you read this with me? Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. This is the Word of the Lord. Good morning, how are you? It's good to see you here. Glad you made it through the cold, all that good stuff. Um, We are in a series called Pray First, and uh, we've been talking about inviting God into every situation in our life and everything, let's just pray first. And um, we've been jumping out of a uh, text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where Paul says, pray without ceasing, pray uh, continually in all circumstances, give thanks. And um, we're going to switch midstream uh, we've spent about four weeks bouncing there, and now we're going to, to take you to Ephesians chapter 6, and for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this verse and bounce out of it, and it's kind of the same idea that Paul says. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. That first phrase is, on all occasions. And it's another encouragement to us that in every situation, wherever we find ourselves in life, we should invite God to join that with us and pray first. Um, I see a lot of Chiefs gear on today. Can I get a woo? Because we're ready for the day, right? Uh, Tom Brady's going down. Okay. Um, I I bring that up because um, if those of you who are Chiefs fans might know this guy named Eric Fisher. And Eric Fisher, if you know his story, he got hurt. Uh, the last game that the Chiefs played, and uh, he blew his Achilles out. It may even end his career. He's not really sure. And so um, he definitely does not get to play in the biggest game of the year today. He's going to be on the sideline. But here's what he said. He said, well, some things just don't go the way we plan them. Every week I take the field, I start with, uh, what's the word? Prayer. Sounds like he prays first. Some games, the prayers are different than others, but the one thing that I keep consistent is that God's will comes before my own. On all occasions, before practice, pray first. Before the game, pray first. Even before the game, where I'm just standing on the sidelines with a career-threatening injury, I don't get to play, guess what? Pray first. There's a second phrase in that text that says, all kinds of prayer, not just uh, on all occasions, but we use all kinds of prayer. And you say, wait a minute, there's more than one kind of prayer? And the answer is, absolutely, we're to use every kind of prayer available to us. Uh, Last week, I I shared the idea that prayer is not just a single dish. Prayer is a menu. It's kind of like walking up to the buffet and only getting green beans off the buffet. That's kind of crazy. No, you know, you want to take advantage of everything that's on the buffet, and prayer is like that. It's not just one dish. It's a menu. And so we're trying in the next four weeks to to lay out some different ways, some different kinds of prayer so that you can be able to form words for your prayers so that you can meet in prayer with God. By the way, that's one of the goals of the uh, 21 days of prayer. Hope you signed up for that. If you did, don't forget your packet in the back, and you'll find this book. You'll find a bracelet 
um, that just says pray first. Uh, there's a pin in there. There's a sticker in there. Don't, don't, don't forget about that. It might slip out and, you know, uh, find its way on your floor and you never, never realized it was there. Uh, that's a good thing to stick on a coffee mug or something like that. But in your um, booklet, the first half will contain models, different models of prayer, different ways to pray. And then the last half will actually begin our days of prayer. And each day, this is day three that I just turned to, each day we'll have the heart prayer that we just went through. We want that to be a daily thing for you. Just quickly pray through uh, the Lord's Prayer with your heart. Uh, there will be some um, uh, focuses on there, a scripture, uh, some words that you can use if words don't come easily. And then if you're the journaling type and like to write your prayers out, some space for that each day. And so that begins tomorrow. And we're just excited about what God is going to do when we all get on the same page and we start praying the same things together. He's going to do amazing, amazing things. And so maybe... If, there, if, if you're aware of that there are different kinds of prayers, different models of prayer, maybe that will put fresh air in your prayer life. And so that's what we're going to spend time doing the next four Sundays. And today, uh, we're going to launch in with the prayer of Moses, the prayer of Moses. Um, you might know the story of Moses. God rose Moses up and said, I need you to go and lead my people who are in slavery out of Egypt. And so Moses did that. There's a whole bunch of stories that go along with that. And he led God's people out into out of Egypt and into the wilderness. Now, when they went out of Egypt, the goal was then to go to the, the promised land that God had in store for them. And it's honestly a trip that should have only taken about a couple weeks. Uh, but it takes the Israelites 40 years before they make it to the promised land. Not because they got lost, but because God had other plans for them. They weren't ready yet. And so they find themselves in the wilderness wandering around. Now, the, the, God's ultimate goal when they got to the promised land was to, for them to build a temple where He would live, a building where He would live. It's not that way anymore. God used to live in buildings, but today, because of Jesus, God lives in us. There's a big difference, and it's way better today. This room that we gather in, sometimes it's called the sanctuary. You'll hear people refer to it as the sanctuary, but it's really not the place where God dwells. God doesn't dwell in this building or in this room. God dwells in the sanctuary of your heart. That's where God dwells right now. That's way better than having God in a building. But back then, not that way. God resides in a building, but they're in the wilderness wandering around. What are we going to do? What God decides to do is to give them instructions to build a temporary structure where he will live. And they call this the tabernacle. God designed it. He gave the instructions on how to build it. Um, and he would lead the people of Israel around the wilderness and uh, by a, a cloud by day, fire by night. That's the way he led them. And when he stopped, they would get the tabernacle out. They would unpack it. They would set it all up. And God would dwell there. And when God decided to move again, they would pack it all up and they would follow God until he stopped. And then they would do the, th the whole thing over again. And so um, in Exodus chapter 25, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. That's the prayer for you today. 
just like it was back then, the goal is that God wants to live in your midst. He wants you to find a place and a way to pray so that He can get close to you. Then, also, in this text, exactly as I show you, build the tabernacle by the pattern, uh, and it includes all the furniture, that's how you should make it, by the pattern that I show you. And so, uh, that pattern that the tabernacle was built by had a purpose, and that pattern is what can serve as a pattern for our prayers today. So, that's why some people call this not the prayer of Moses, they'll call it the tabernacle prayer. Um, so, if we go to a picture of the tabernacle, this is uh, the tabernacle, and um, it's a small tent in the middle. There's surrounded by um, a boundary, and along the way uh, to, uh, to get to the tent, there are pieces of furniture, and then inside the tent, there are actually two rooms, one room that's a little bigger, and then a smaller room. This is a top view of that tent. Um, that is called the Holy of Holies, and it was separated by a veil, and God was, lived in the Holy of Holies. And so, to get where God dwelled, you had to follow a pattern. There were six pieces of furniture that God laid out, and you had to stop at each of those pieces of furniture in order to get to the Holy of Holies where God dwelled. And that's what even Moses had to do. Uh, Exodus 33:11. it's what we read just a little bit ago. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. He would go into the inner holy of holies and talk to God like a friend. That's, that's the goal. That's what we're trying to get. We want to talk, to be able to talk to God face to face like a friend. That's what prayer is. And if we use this same path, this tabernacle path, then maybe... Uh, this will become a favorite way of yours to pray. I actually prayed this way on the way to church today. It can take 30 seconds. It can take three minutes. It can take three hours. Uh, you, you decide, okay? So here it is. First, we're going to go into the tabernacle. It's a very simple, effective way of prayer. Uh, so first, we're going to go into the tabernacle. I told you it was simple, very simple. Now, once inside... Once we're inside the gate and inside the boundary, then we are standing in what was known as the outer court. And um, this outer court has only one focus. When we're here in the outer court, we have just moved into God's territory. And so what we're going to do is we're going to focus on God and we're going to give Him thanks. The outer court is for giving God thanks. Before there's any to-do list, before you present a list of people that, that you want to pray for before there's all the, hey, God, I need this in my life, and what about this, and I want this. Before any of that, we're going to thank Him for what He has already done. And this first step is all about gratitude. And that should be the first thing that we do in any prayer that we pray. We, we say, God, thank you. It's the most healthy attitude that we can have. One man said it this way, that gratitude turns what we have into enough. We often think, I don't have enough. That disappears when we begin to be thankful. God, thank you. If I never do any, if you never do anything else for me, God, you've already done enough. You've given me life. You've given me air to breathe. 
And not only have you given me life, but you've saved me from my sin. So now I get to live forever. I have eternal life. Uh, You've forgiven me so there's no guilt or shame in my life anymore. You've given me a purpose because now I'm a part of your family and I know I'm worth something and you've called me to, to a mission and I know that I matter. Thank you, God. If you'd never do anything else for me, thank you for what you have done. On our wall before you entered this room, There's a Psalm uh, uh, 100 verse 4, and it says this, Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. That's what we are to do. Okay, so that's how we start the prayer. We enter into the tabernacle in the outer court. We give God thanks. The first thing that we're going to do after that is when we walk through the tabernacle, the pattern of the tabernacle, what we're going to see in the outer court is called the brazen altar. It's the first thing we're going to come to. The brazen altar was a big altar in the outer court where burnt offerings were sacrificed to God. There is one thing that stands in the way of people talking to God face-to-face like a friend, and that is sin. Sin always has to be taken care of if you want to talk to God. Sin always has to be absolved. And so, in the Old Testament... At the, in, the ta- in the days of the tabernacle, the people would bring animals to be sacrificed. And there, the, an- the blood of the animals was spilled. It was shed for sin. And then the body of that animal was put on the brazen altar. And it was uh, burned as a sacrifice to God. Fun fact about the uh, brazen altar. The, the fire in this altar burned 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It never ended. The fire never ended because Sacrifices never stopped because sin never stops. And the initial fire came from God Himself. When they would set the tabernacle up, God's presence, the fire of God would light the brazen altar so that sacrifices could be done. In other words, God started the grill. That's what happened. And here's the point. The brazen altar means that something has to die before I go further. That's what it means. And that's still true. Someone, something has to die for me to be able to approach God and talk with Him like a friend. And that's what the cross is all about. Jesus shed His blood on the cross. He became the ultimate once for all time sacrifice for sin so that you and I can enter into God's presence. The only way that we have even the ability to stand before God is because Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10 says, therefore, brothers, we have confidence to enter the holy place. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And so, after we give thanks to God, we're going to step to the altar, the brazen altar, and we're going to focus on the cross in our prayer. Without the cross, we can't ever get to God. And so, before we get to our list, before we drag out all the things that we think that we need in our life, the brazen altar is going to cause us to pause at the cross. The only thing that allows us to go further at all was because Jesus shed His blood for us. And maybe, maybe here a song is appropriate. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Right? There are all kinds of songs that we could insert here. 
as a part of our prayer. Or maybe you don't sing. That's okay. The, the, the words to the line will mean a lot. What next? The outer court, the brazen altar, the next piece of furniture that we're going to come to is called the laver. And the laver was another piece of bronze. It was a bronze uh, sculpture, but it was not an altar. It was a basin that was filled with water. And here's the fun fact about the laver. When the people of Israel were going out of Egypt, God said to the Egyptians, he put put it in the Egyptians' mind, to give stuff to the Israelites, like expensive stuff, gold, silver, pearls, all all that good stuff. And so the Egyptians just started giving this stuff to the Israelites. And in this way, the Israelites left Egypt with a lot of stuff and a lot of wealth. And they get out into the wilderness. And one of the things that God said, uh, there, there were some mirrors that all you ladies got on the way out of Egypt. And so I want you to put all of those mirrors in a pile and we're going to melt them down and we're going to make them into this labor. And so what happens was the bottom of the labor then had a mirror-like finish so that when you looked into it, you just didn't get your reflection off the water, but off of the bottom of the basin. Now, what did you see? Imagine yourself looking down there. What are you going to see? You're going to see a dirty face. You're going to see maybe a wrinkled face. Maybe you see an angry face face, all the things that come up that separate us from God, all the things that make us not holy, vanity, pride, greed, jealousy, judgment, envy, that's what you're going to see. And so it was at the labor that after a sacrifice was made at sin, uh, for sin at the brazen altar, it was at the labor that they would stop and they would wash their hands with water. They would cleanse their feet with water so that then no contamination from the outside world would go into the tent as they met with God. And when we stop at the labor, we're going to be reminded that we need to be clean when we enter God's presence. And so here's what we're going to do when we stop at the labor. We're going to stop and offer every part of our lives to God. So one way to do that is just to start at the top and go down. God, there are a lot of thoughts in my head that probably shouldn't be there today. Thoughts that don't belong. But today, God, I'm going to think about what is excellent, what is lovely, what is praiseworthy, what is true. God, there are a lot of directions that my eyes are going to want to go today. Would you keep them focused on you? My ears are going to want to entertain gossip today. Help me not to do that. My mouth, help. I'm committed today to using words that build people up instead of tear people down. With my hands, God, would you put my hands to work for things and projects that build the kingdom of God? With my feet, God, would you guide me in paths of righteousness, not wickedness? Would you Help me walk around all of the things that could destroy me. Help me walk around them. And in this way, we kind of offer every part of our lives to God. And that is what Romans 12 says is worship. Paul says in Romans 12, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. God doesn't want the bodies of dead animals anymore. He wants you. And so, at the labor, we're going to stop and we're going to offer every part of our lives to God, and that is worship. Now, at this point, we're not outside anymore. We're going to go actually into the tent, and when we go into the tent, there are going to be four more pieces of furniture. When we step inside the tent, just inside, if we turn to the left, there's going to be 
the lampstand. Some people call this the candlestick. Uh, Jewish people call this the menorah. It has seven branches. Each one has a candle on top. And this is the only light in the sanctuary to light up the sanctuary. The, the lampstand is going to represent fire. It's going to represent power. It's going to represent anointing. Does that sound familiar? So the light of the lampstand symbolizes for us the light of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the part of the Trinity that walks alongside us wherever we go to help give us wisdom, give us understanding, give us counsel, power, knowledge, fear of God. And so at the lampstand, we're going to invite the work of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Holy Spirit, would you help me to use the gifts that you've given me in whatever station of life that you've put me in, whether it's a father, um, a mother, a store owner, insurance salesman, plumber, coach, friend, student, player, spectator, whatever it is, would you help me to use those gifts that you've given me? Would you guide me and I invite you into my life, steer me today? Fun fact about the lamp. God instructed specifically that no other lights were ever to be brought into the sanctuary to light it up. This was the only source of illumination that God would allow inside the tent. And so, maybe the prayer is this. God, would you help me to see the world by only your light? There are all kinds of lesser lights around me trying to tell me what is true, but your light is the only one that will lead to real truth, to real life. Let me walk by the light of your Spirit. That was on the left, lampstand. If we turn to the right, there's going to be a table. And on top of the table is actually going to be bread. Twelve loaves of bread. Each loaf represents the one of the tribes of Israel. And this table is called then the table of showbread. And a fun fact about the bread, only the most excellent flour was used for this bread. Uh, there was no yeast. Uh, there was salt, oil. There was then also a fragrance that was baked into the bread. Now, I don't know about you, but when I smell bread baking, it smells awesome anyway, let alone adding a fragrance to it. And so it just makes you want to find some butter and sit down and, you know, uh, have a feast, right? The table of showbread then is going to signify for us the Word of God because the Word of God is food for our souls. It's given to us by God to nourish us, to sustain us spiritually. And so it's at this point in the prayer that maybe, maybe we, we even grab our Bible. We're still praying, but we grab our Bible, and maybe you're going through the one read the Bible in a year program, so we read that, and that's part of our prayer, or maybe you're not in a reading program right now, you're not really sure, so we just open and we read until there's a promise of God to claim. Uh, maybe, yeah, you're not even that, you know, uh, confident, and so here's a trick. Uh, what day is it? It is the seventh. Turn to Proverbs chapter seven today, and just pick one proverb. And that's your spiritual meal for the day. In Matthew, Jesus, when he was being tempted by Satan, said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. How many of you eat every day? There should not be a hand that is not raised. 
I hope that you eat every day. And if we eat every day, then we need to eat every day. Jesus called himself the bread of life. Just like our bodies need food, our souls need food. And we eat the words of Jesus, the word of God, to gain eternal life. And so maybe the prayer is, God, thank you for the word. Let me crave the word. Let me understand the word. Let me submit to the word. Let me live by your word. Let me love your word. Would you make it sweet as honey to me? Because in it are the very things, the vitamins and nutrients that I need for my soul to grow and to exist. One more piece in this sanctuary, if we go to the very front of the sanctuary, we find a little altar there that is called the altar of incense, and it was for burning incense. Uh, Incense was burned at this altar 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Actually, coals from the brazen altar outside were brought in and used for this small altar, and it always smelled amazing. The incense was, it was kind of like walking into Bath and Body Works, something like that. Like, it was amazing. And fun fact about the altar of incense is that it was only there for God Himself. This altar is not about sacrifices. It's not about atonement. It's not about petitions. It's not about intercessions. It is just for God Himself. And it stood right in front of the curtain that separated the sanctuary from the Holy of Holies, that innermost small room where God dwelled. And this altar was plated with pure gold, and incense to God then signifies worship. And so when we come to the altar of incense, we're just going to worship. We're going to worship God and give Him praise. The sweetest smell that God knows is your worship to Him. And worship happens whenever we acknowledge who God is to us. Uh, It's different from Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, here's what you've done, God. Thank you for that. Worship is, here's who you are, God, to me. And I love you for it. That's worship. Another way to say it is this. Worship is all about giving worth to someone. It's giving them their worth. Psalm 95 says this, O come, let us, bow, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. Here's the psalmist giving worth to God. Um, maybe a, a good way to put it is uh, to think of a birthday card. Anybody ever given somebody a birthday card? In that space, underneath the little joke or whatever, what, what do you write? Dear Joe, it's been awesome. I, I love being your friend. I'm glad it's a great day for you. Happy birthday. So proud of who you are. You know, happy 19th, love, whoever. That's what you write, right? How many of you have ever used that space to write this? Joe, you owe me 50 bucks. Pay me what you owe me. We don't do that, right? Because that would be dishonoring to the person. That space is to honor the person that, whose birthday it is or whatever. And that's what we're doing when we stop at the altar of incense. We're honoring God with who He is to us. And so we give God those prayers and we give Him the sweet-smelling aroma of our worship. Now, there's only one... Um, piece of furniture left, and it's in that innermost holy of holies. And at this point, there is a curtain that separates 
the altar of incense from the Ark of the Covenant is what we're going to find when we get in there. There's a, a veil that is between those two spaces. And in the Old Testament times, um, there was only one person that could go into that innermost holy of holies. And then it was only once a year, and then that person had to be a special person. It was only the high priest, and then it was only after he had done the whole pattern of the tabernacle and sacrificed and stopped at the labor and all the stations on behalf of all the other people in the nation of Israel. Now today, and, and we understand that if today, if, if, uh, if you go in there without going through the steps of the pattern, because we've all seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, we know that your face melts off. That's how that, that's how that works. Disobey, and that's, that's the deal. Today, though, we have a better way, don't we? Jesus shed his blood for us so that we have access to God at all times. We can pass through the curtain because we have a Savior, and bonus, your face isn't going to get burned off when you talk to God as a friend. And so, when we step into that holy of holies, what we see is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was simply a gold-covered box uh, with a solid gold cover that was called the, 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 the mercy seat or the atonement cover. And on, on top of the cover, there were also solid gold carved angels with wings outstretched towards one another. And then under the cover of the box, under the mercy seat, uh, in the box were contained, uh, the box contained the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses by God on the mountain. It contained a golden jar of manna, and it contained Aaron's staff that budded. All of those have different stories behind them that we can't get to today. But here's the fun fact about the Ark of the Covenant. When the high priest entered once a year, he did so to sprinkle blood of the sacrifices that he had just made on outside on behalf of all of the nation of Israel. He took that blood and he sprinkled it on the top of the ark, onto the mercy seat. That's why it was called also the atonement cover. And why would he do that? It's because that's where God's glory dwelled, his Shekinah glory. That's where God would come down and be with his people on top of the Ark of the Covenant on top of the mercy seat. And so watch this. When God would come down to dwell, He would come down and He would be on top of the Ark. And the Ark was the box that contained the law of God, the very law that none of the people could live up to. And so when He descended, what did God see first? He saw the blood that was sprinkled on top of the cover of the Ark instead of the law that was inside the ark that the people couldn't live up to. God wouldn't see their sin first. He would see the sacrifice first. And in the ark, the innermost place reminds us of a priest who goes in, who intercedes for all of the other people of Israel. And by the sacrifice of blood, a priest brought people near to God. So when we get to the Holy of Holies, that's what we're going to do too. We're going to remember other people in our prayers, others who also need to be brought near to God himself. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so when we get to this inner sanctuary, this inner holy of holies that Jesus has allowed us access to, we plead the case of others before God. And it's at this time, at the throne of grace, that we go to Him in time of need. And so we offer all of our prayers, all of our requests, all of the things that are bothering us, all of the things that are weighing hard on our heart, and we lay them on the throne of God where He dwells, knowing that He will answer prayer in a way that we would answer prayer if we knew everything that He knows. And that's the pattern. Seven little phrases, six little pieces of furniture that we can progress through and meet with God. So here's the way it might look. Um, Lord, I thank you that you are my God. That's the outer court. Thanks. And that you've saved me with the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. We stopped at the brazen altar. Please cleanse me of my sin. That's the labor. Lead me by the light of your Holy Spirit, the lampstand. And sustain me by your word, the table of showbread. You are the God of glory who is above all others. I worship you, the altar of incense. Because Jesus has made a way by his blood, the Ark of the Covenant, I come to you with my prayer topics and my requests for other people. Lord, would you accept my prayer in the name of Jesus? Amen. Maybe that takes the 30 seconds that we just used. Maybe you expand, you stop at each station, and maybe it takes three minutes or 30 minutes or three hours. Either way. Pray first. Pray first. Prayer has to be our first response, not our last resort. This whole model of prayer is a visual that leads us into God's presence. And maybe, maybe today you're not really sure if, if you can confidently go into God's presence. You're not really sure that there's a tabernacle in your life or even an outer court. You're not even sure there is a court. You're not really sure. Like God is, seems really far off. The challenge that I want to give you today is that the pattern today took us by the laver where people would wash so that they could be clean, so that they could enter God's dwelling place. And we do something that's very similar today. Except we're not entering into God's house. Instead, we're asking God to come into our hearts and make His house in our hearts and in our lives. We don't go to a tabernacle anymore. We are the tabernacle when we invite God into our lives. And He can never dwell in the tabernacle of our heart until we are washed clean. In Acts chapter 2, when the people were confronted with the guilt and the shame of crucifying the very Son of God. They knew they weren't clean. And they went to Peter and they said, what do we do now? Tell us what to do. How do we get clean? How do we get right before God? And Peter said, repent of your sin and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit. To be clean before God still requires a washing. And that washing can happen today in the waters of baptism. 
That's where God does the washing. He meets you there. He applies the blood of Jesus to your heart so that it becomes white as snow, so that you become forgiven and guiltless. He there gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit, His presence, so that you can continue to walk with Him all of the rest of your days and meet with Him at His throne in the Holy of Holies. And that's the prayer that you're invited to today, the prayer of baptism, so that you can be a part of God's family forever. The baptistry is ready today. And there is no greater prayer that you could pray than that. Not even the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl. Pray the right prayer today. I'm going to ask you to stand. And would you, as we worship God, if you are far from Him, don't leave that way today. Let's all draw near to the throne of grace because Jesus has made that possible.